Best friends and Broadway superfans Jeff and Judy wait at the stage door every night to catch a glimpse of their idol Adina Menzel in the hilarious new comedy, Which Way to the Stage. And when a sexy stranger enters the scene and upends their friendship, Jeff and Judy have to go off book to rewrite their own finale. Called the best new comedy since theaters reopened by The Wrap and Zippy Fun by The New York Times, Grab your best friend and see which way to the stage at Signature Theater now through January 22nd. Get tickets at SIGTheater.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, AJ Tripp. And welcome to The Word According to Me. This is my other podcasts that I do. I have one called The Game According to Me. If you do not know, make sure you go over there and subscribe to that one wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. That one is mostly about sports. I got one coming out on Wednesday. We'll be doing updates on some of the things that has happened in the last month since I've done that one. And so I think you'll enjoy it if you're a sports person. Um, But this one this podcast, we go all types of topics. We can do it. We can do personal. We can do um, some. We can do like certain topics of, of what happened and, and everything. So, as some of you may know, we have listened. So, new listeners, that's what it's about. And this one, we're gonna go around the room, if you can sort of say, a little potpourri, and uh, talk about um, two or three topics here today. Um, the first topic we're going to talk about is Jackie Robinson. Because this past Friday, Jackie Robinson, um, Jackie Robinson Day, I should say, um, it was the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking into Major League Baseball, breaking the color barrier. And as normally on April 15th, um, the teams in Major League Baseball, every person wears number 42. Because the number 42 is retired. No one wears it. The last person to wear it was Mario Arno Rivera. Once he retired, it has not been worn since. It's only worn on April 15th to celebrate the great Jackie Robinson. And, and Friday, it was no different, but with one little difference. The, the 42 was in Dodger Blue because he came up with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you kind of. Really, it's, it's amazing to think that after 75 years, here we are, we have Jackie Robinson, you know, breaking the color barrier, and it is amazing to this feel that uh, he broke into the National League, like I said, with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Larry Doby, he was the second black player. He broke in to the American League and the Cleveland Indians. Uh, and it, and it's, it's, it, it, it is something that we celebrate in this country because I, I think it should be something we celebrate in this country because for the longest time, probably until the mid, mid to late 70s, baseball was the American pastime. Everybody loved baseball. It, just, it happened during the summer, you know, spring and summer and into the fall. You know the World Series and all those things that they wanted to talk about. It was it was America's pastime, and it's over time. Um, but you know, it, it is America's. It could still be America's pastime because we we watched the 
pass the time, unfortunately. Now, we don't love it like we used to. We just want it to pass the time to get us from, you know, you know, to get to get us basically to the football season. You know, basically get us to it's that, it's that one month, you know, time from, you know, from late June to late July or, 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 or the first week of August when we can get to the football season. It gets us from the NBA Finals and gets us to the football season. That's what we have time. As you know, I know football is America's passion. As Holly Long once said, and I think we all agree, it is our passion. Um, we love the game of football. Um, but it meant so much back in the days when, when, when baseball was America's number one sport. You see that happen, and Dickie Robinson has dealt with like, a lot of things. So, um, it could never be doubted about the strength of what it took for him to, to that time in 1942, uh, and at the height of the racial tensions. I mean, in, in 1942, it was also, you know, during the war. World War II was established. So, so many other things. I mean, the so many players went to fight in the war, like Ted Williams and others. They stopped playing baseball to go fight in the war. Um, yeah, man, it, it was it was a ton of things uh, happening around that time when Jackie Robinson broke in. Um, and surprisingly, I think. What, what, what I found kind of interesting was that Jackie Robinson died in 1962. He died 20 years later. And that's something to me that I, it's like, wow. That's, so he breaks into baseball. He has a... Let me, let me see. I think he, he's had a short... He's had a very short career. Right? And now here he is, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, we're in a week here. Let me see if I can, uh, yeah. Okay, no, my bad. Let me, let me, let me say this. He, he died in 1972, not 1962. So, um, that's on me, that's my bad. Um, or apparently, I guess maybe he did do the service, let's see. Look at his Wikipedia page here. Um, Jackie Roosevelt, Jack Roosevelt Robinson was an American, was an American professional baseball player who became the first African-American to play in, the major, in Major League Baseball in a modern era. Robinson, who broke the color line when he started at first base with the Dodgers, April 15, 1947. When the Dodgers signed Robinson, it heralded the end of racial segregation in professional baseball that had relegated black players to the Negro Leagues since the 1880s. Robinson was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1960. That's what I, that's where I got 1962 from. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame at that time. Okay, so. When you look at it, like when you look at it, he, he's he's in the Hall of Fame because he broke the color barrier, right? Because if you look at his as his stats, he, you know, he batted three thirteen, which is good. 
he only hit 141 home runs and he only drove in 70 761 runs that, that is more than likely if, if it's not Jackie Robinson it's Bill Mazeroski but that's probably the lowest stat number for a a, a, a position player and in, 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 you know who is, who's in the baseball hall of fame on both time um yeah, so like the, mil the military career, right? Uh, he start he did serve in the army. He did serve in night from 1942 to 1944. So, um, he did. It, it, it was, and so, I, and I, I had my things messed up because I was thinking 1962, so I didn't let it go to 1942. So I apologize for that. But yeah, it was. Um, it, it is unreal to see what you know what he what he had to go through and everything like that. And you, can, and you can you know you can really see like when you look at it that he is he is truly an icon in sports history. So it, it is it is amazing to see this, and it's been seventy five years that since he broke the you know color barrier. And when you look at like baseball today, there's not many black players. There just isn't. There's not many black players. Uh, they, you know, on Friday, get up had a, you know, nice discussion about that. Aren't there many black players? Um, Stephen A. Smith, he brought up that, you know, maybe there, you know, that black people um, it's hard for black people to trust. Um, People, you know, in that sport, you know, and you know, um, Doug Manville maybe said, you know, that, that might be the case. You know, there might be some truth to that, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. You know, I, I, I just think that as time has gone on, you know, baseball has never come to become a sport. Like I said, football is more popular, basketball is more popular. In baseball with, with with young black people, and you know also the the emergence of hip hop coming into the landscape where now that's you know it seems like right now if you are a young black man in the inner city, right? That's what you want to you know. You, those three are what you want to do, right? You you know to, you, to see to get out of the hood because you know. You want to get away from the hood, get out of the hood, make a better life for your family, get away from all the gang banging and drug dealing and all that stuff. But you have to do, you know, one or two things. You know, you have to play football, play basketball, or, you know, do rap music. You don't see baseball as a way out of the hood. And there's probably not a lot of baseball playing that's happening in the hood. You know? So. You know, I think that's one part. I think another part is that a lot of people see baseball as boring. There's, you know, there's not, there's not action. You know, you can sit, you can sit and watch a three, three and a half an hour baseball game with, you know, and, and there's only, you know, ten to fifteen minutes of action actually throughout that thing. Now, baseball is trying to, to change that by, you know, adding things like a pitch clock and. You know, you know, not you know, limit mound visits and trying to keep players in the box and everything like that. They're eliminating the shift. 
so that you know there will be more action, so there will be more hits and, and things like that because they know they have a problem with baseball. That baseball is they're talking about the, the three true outcomes. They're talking about you know you know they're, they're talking about strikeouts, home runs, and walks and. Baseball needs to be more than that, you know. Where are the stolen bases? Where are the, you know, hits and the doubles and the triples and things like that? You know, some things that can be exciting and things like that. Strikeouts are exciting. Home runs, of course, is exciting. Walks aren't. Walks aren't really exciting. And and I think another thing that happens too is that this analytic has become analytic driven, where people, you know, where people don't, you know, want to, you know, they want to tell you that. OPS and and all this other bullshit is you know is how you, you know you know it's how you do that but that's not how you you know bring black people into this you know it, it, it's not you know lose stats that are counting stats you know oh he's he hit this many home runs he drove in these many people who the fact that you the fact that people are saying that. RBIs are irrelevant, you know, makes it <laughs> stupid. You know, the fact that people are telling you that a walk is more important than a hit is stupid because guess what? You can't walk somebody home unless his base is loaded, but you can hit somebody home with getting a hit. You certainly can, right? Putting the ball in the play. So they have all of that working against them when it comes to black people. But just you know, for I think a lot of people, but it's not you know, at least a lot, a lot of the younger black people, I will say, I think people who are maybe thirties and, and and older, you know, I think I think, but I, I, I think it's probably maybe born for them too. But they've grown up being a baseball fan. They've had they had they've had it in their life, you know. They they've seen things. They've seen the home run chase of. Of McGuire and Sosa, and they've seen the they've seen King, you know King Griffey Jr. You know they've seen other um, great feats happen in this game that has made them kind of you know want to be a part of this. But these um, the younger people they don't they just don't care, and and I don't think and and. and I think at one point in the 80s, it was like the highest it's ever been. Over 20% of players were black. And I think now it's just under 8%. And uh, there are more Latino players playing. And and, that, and that's because in, in the Latin countries, that's how you, you know, that, that's how, you know, we talked about, I just talked about how black people get out of the hood playing football, playing basketball, and, and doing music. That's how they get out of their situations in the, Lesser countries and well, they're not lesser countries, but and they get in some tough situations in Puerto Rico and Dominican and things like that. So they they play baseball to do that. Once you and and once you do that, they come to America and they play baseball. And uh, it's it's the highest it, it's the highest Latino rate, like twenty eight point six or something like that. Then I saw first take as well with the less than eight percent of black people. It's this is what it is, man. And uh, I think 
I, I don't know what they can do to get more black people involved. Um, we'll see how all of these new things that were going that they were due to to speed up the game and make the game a little bit more uh, faster paced and things like that. But I don't know if it's going to help black, young black people. I don't know if it's going to help young people enjoy baseball. I think right now the people who like baseball are just going to like baseball and the people who don't, they don't. I don't know. Baseball just unfortunately cannot compete with basketball, with football in the sports realm. I think it's just, it's just going to be the way it is. And, and, and like, like I say, you know, 10 years ago, the average age of the people watching baseball was like 45. And 10 years later, it's 55. It's the same audience. And 10 years from now, they're going to be 65. So, that's just the way it is. But as for Jackie Robinson, it, 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 uh, this is a true American story. It's a true American feel-good story. True American dream story thing that all of us love and all of us care about and April 15th Jackie Robinson days is a day that I think the United States of America need to recognize not just you know baseball but the whole United States of America we need to recognize that as he crosses the line of color barrier and it's what it is and, 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 and he's an icon he's a legend and I think we all should be grateful for his service first off to our country and then the service to the great sport of baseball Jackie Robinson truly an American hero Unfortunately, last week, Gilbert Gottfried passed away. Uh, he was known for his abrasive stand-up act as well as film and TV roles, including the parrot voice in that lack. Uh, let's read something here from The Guardian. Those unfamiliar with Gilbert Gottfried, the comedian and actor who has died at 67 of a rare form of muscular dystrophy, would instantly recognize his voice, shrill, high pitch, uh, and grating. It was the voice of Iago, the parrot in the movie Aladdin, or Mr. Mr. Pitalik, Superman's trickster nemesis, or Crane Subprime in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV series. Putting a face to the voice, they might recall him to his desperately con con conniving, corrupt accountant Sid Bernstein in Beverly Hills Cop 2. While Godfrey's voice made him a favorite, family favorite, it was also a part of his character of a tasteless, often profane stand-up comic. Only five foot five, tall, with a frail, seemingly body and a large head, performing with an exaggerated squint, his act resembled a precocious child tantrum. As audiences record from a touchy joke, elaborated in ever more flowery language, the voice got louder and more insistent. Then he might stop to de deconstruct what he was doing. Logically, this doesn't make sense, he would yell, but it's a joke. His greatest famous comedian came in the film The Aristocrats in 2005, where comics discussed and performed the 
Epinomia is a dirty joke which they had for decades told each other. A detailed description of a family and their dog auditioning their depraved vaudeville act for an agent. When they are finished, the agent asks what would they call their act and the father will probably reprise the aristocrats. Godfrey's telling stole of the film. In fact, he may have been its inspiration. In 2001, performing a roast of Playboy founder Hugh Hefner, Godfrey made a joke about 9-11 which the audience booed crying out too soon. To recover, he told the aristocrats famously winning them over. For an R-rated version of the effect, you can listen to his 2012 reading of experts from the novel Fifty Shades of Grey. He was born in Brooklyn where his father Max ran the family's hardware business. His mother Lillian uh, was a homemaker. His older sister Aline became a successful photographer. But Gilbert started comedy early, beginning an opening night when he was only 15 years old. He soon learned to aim for the last spot where he could mimic those who had already performed. Jerry Seinfeld would refuse to come into the room when I was doing him, he recalled. His big break should have come in 1980 when he was hired for Saturday Night Live, but he was barely used in his 12 episodes. He was Alan Thicke's sidekick on Thicke of the Night in 1983-84. Then did a special Cinemax, a special for Cinemax in 1987, which led to in 1989 to nine years of hosting USA's Up All Night, presenting bad B movies. From 1994, the show's lead-in was the edgy anime sitcom Duckman, starring Jason Alexander, which Godfrey had a recurring part. Another missed break came in 1988 when he started on a series pilot called Norman's Corner. Written by Larry David, playing a New York newsstand vendor. The all these series didn't sell, but the pilot was released uh, as a TV movie. Godfrey later joked that when David went in to pitch Seinfeld, the executive said, Are you the guy who wrote that piece of shit for getting good with Godfrey? <laughs> he then hosted the 1991 Emmys, opening with jokes about the arrest of Paul Rubens, um, P.B. Herman, for uh, playing himself in an adult cinema. If masturbation was a crime, I'd be on death row by now. By 8.14 this morning, I was already out the phone. It upset Fox so much, the jokes were edited out of the program's later West Coast feed. Godfrey's credits are a comedy routine themselves. Befitting someone nominated three times for a Golden Raspberry Award for the Worst Supporting Actor of 1990 as Johnny Crutch in The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, Joey, the baby gym instructor in Look Who's Talking To, and Mr. Peabody in Problem Child, a role he repeated in the sequel. He had cameos as both Hitler, oh Jesus, <laughs> in, in, in Highway to Hell, 1991, and Abraham Lincoln, a million ways to die in the West in 2014. He played the TV reporter Ron McDonald in two Sharknado movies, then Ron's father ran in the last Sharknado, It's About Time, 2018. But his best, most uncensored work came in roast, performed for his fellow comics, memory including fellow bad taste comic Violet Saget, Joan Rivers, Star Trek's Joan George Takai, and Roseanne Barr, from whom he christened Rod Rosilla. Insiders knew where he came from as Tom Bergeron, the host of the game show Hollywood Square Squares, on which Gilbert Godfrey provided a memorable sequence when the contestants guessed wrong on his answers six and seven times. 
Godfrey shouted, You fool! Each time, pointing out, never had such a sharp wit come from a, such a sweeter source. Godfrey wrote a memoir, Rubber Balls and Liquor, in 20, 2011. But more revealing was the 27 documentary Gilbert, showing his family life with his wife, Dark Kravitz, whom he met at a post-Grammys party in the 1990s and married in 2007. He is survived by Dar and their children, Lily and Max, his sister Karen, and Arlene. Arlene died in 2017, excuse me. Gilbert Godfrey, comedian actor, was born February 28, 1995, and died April 12, 2002. Well, yeah, that's from The Guardian, a little bit in the obituary. Yeah, I think I think I think we all know Gilbert Godfrey from somewhere. And they did they didn't mention his Geico commercials. He he was the voice of the Geico um the duck for the longest time, but that was taken away from him um um several years back when when Japan Japan or China one of the two had a uh, they had like a, a nuclear meltdown of some sort, something like that, and he made a joke about it. Um, people didn't like it, so he was released from being the Geico duck. But as the, as the, the as the obituary says, that was Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert was he wasn't, you know, <laughs> he wasn't politically correct at all. You know, um, and he made a joke out of everything. You see, talking about the throw the dirty jokes, and he had so many jokes. He's also known for. His many Howard Stern appearances, appearing on the Howard Stern show, and he was, he was a riot. I'm, I, I can't remember a lot of things, but I do know that there were, I do faintly remember him being on the shows, and he, he would always be sitting in on the news with Robin Quivers, and they would make jokes, and, and they had everybody howling, laughing, and everybody in the studio howling, he, everybody at home howling, he was incredible he was such a great comedic mind and so on the fire and he did a he did he did a bit part on uh law and order svu when he was like one of the computer nerds and so so he was he was incredible outstanding comic and very much looks like to seem like he was a great person as well um Unfortunately, that he is gone so soon and dealing with the uh, muscular dystrophy um, disease. Uh, my my thoughts go out to the family and friends of Gilbert Godfrey and to the fans who loved his work. We lost a lot of a lot of good minds this year. Bob Saget. Uh, Norm McDonald, although Norm may have been at the end, towards the end of last year. Um, Betty White, Gilbert Godfrey, they're, they're in heaven now and they're probably doing a roast of something. <laughs> they're doing the roast of God. <laughs> so, yeah, and there was, there was a picture they had on the internet. Well, I think it was, I think it was, it was like Jeff Ross, Norm McDonald, Bob Saget, Gilbert Godfrey. Only one left is Jeff Ross, the Roastmaster General. And some people were making some, probably some horrible jokes that, you know, you know why, why was it Gilbert and not Jeff, unfortunately. But 
yeah, it's uh, amazing how much we, we're losing these people way too soon. So, rest in power, you and Godfrey. And finally, we got to talk about this Will Smith story one last time. As we know, the Oscars on um, the Oscars, uh, Oscars were like March Sunday, March twenty seventh. Right? I was not watching. A lot of people were not watching. Um, so, Chris Rock had a um, he had a um, you know he was out there to you know give the best documentary uh, award. So who knows if it was a written joke or it was just it was just a thing, a thing off of the dome, off the top of the head, like a lot of comedians do. He saw Jada Smith who was sitting there with a bald head because she has alopecia and uh, she shaved it because of that. And she just he just made a comment and said, "Jada Smith, uh, love you. Can't wait to see you in GI Jane too. Shave his bald." Um, that's a, that's a throwaway line, um, whatever, and uh, so much so that Will Smith was laughing at it. He was laughing at it. She did not laugh at it, and I guess that when Will looked over and saw her not laughing, he took it on his dumb ass to get up, walk towards Chris, and slap him, and then walk back, and... You know, Chris Rock said, "Well, Smith just slapped the shit out of me." And then he, when he sat back down, he told her to keep his wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Chris said, "Dude, it's a GR Jane joke." And then he gets louder, "Keep my wife's name out of my." And he goes, "I will." And then Chris, Chris Rock goes, "I will." And Chris, I could, mm. and he was a little flustered, and you know, get try to get back on track and. Everything like that, but it, it was it was such a bitch move from Will Smith to do that and give Chris Rock all the credit in the world for for standing for not for not you know not doing anything physically, not saying anything else physically, because there are a lot of comedians, there are a lot of comedians who would you know who would not have taken that. There's a lot of comedians who would not have, um, not have said, you know, who would not would have, who would have said something back at Real Smith, and uh, Chris wanted to because he said I could, but then he stopped himself because uh, it just would have escalated even more, you know. But yeah, um, give Chris Rock all the you know credit in the world. The, you know, the people who are defending Will Smith for defending his wife. Fuck y'all! Really? There's no, he, he, you know, guess, guess what? He was laughing, and uh, and he was and he wasn't defending his wife. He was he was he was he was he wasn't defending his wife. I don't know what the fuck he was doing, but he wasn't defending Jada Smith. He was not. And and if he was, which I doubt he was, there's a better way. Of doing it, many people have said there's a better way of doing it. You know, you could have 
at the at after party could have pulled Chris Rock to the side. Hey, you know that joke about Jada and Gr Jane. You know, you know she wasn't too fond of that. You know, so why don't you just go ahead and you know, you know, you know could you apologize to her, something like that. You know, could have pulled him to the side. You know, let him know. Maybe even go, maybe going backstage to say, hey, hey, man, you know, my wife. I don't know if you know what's going on with my wife. Because apparently Chris Rock did not know. That's what he probably did not know that she had alopecia. He just saw her with shaved head and decided to, because that's what happens nowadays with these women. There's a lot of black women. For some reason, the older they get, the lazier they get, and they don't want to do with their hair, so they cut their hair off. You know, so that they ain't got to do shit with their hair. And it's, it's, I don't know why they do that, but some of them do. And, it, and, and it's not because of alopecia, it's just because they're lazy. I guess. That's, that's what I see with it. They're lazy and they don't want to deal with the stuff that they had to deal with when they were younger. So Chris Rock just made, probably made a joke and, you know, it's what it was. But then Will Smith to go ahead and do that was just, it was just ridiculous. On Twitter, people were just so gobsmacked at what they saw. They couldn't believe it. And... It wasn't either. Again, I was not watching. So when I when I when I was looking through Twitter and there was and, and Chris Rock and Will Smith was trending and this, it said the slap was trending the slap. And you know, something like that. And then I looked through and you know, it was apparently here in the United States it was it was edited out. It was delayed or something like that or whatever. Like you didn't see it. Which apparently what you just saw was, you know, you saw you saw you saw like the Chris Rock joke, and then it's paused, and and then it came back, and then they were doing the nominations for the documentary award, and and and, and apparently from also from that from that moment, the Oscars went down here. Will Smith won the Oscar for King Richard, and he gets up there crying, and you know, just oh, it's, it, it was just such all types of bullshit and it was so awful uh, lost a lot of respect for Will Smith lost a lot of respect for Will Smith um, so I got two things I'm going to read here um, some of the things that have happened since then you know the, the police were called they were they came to the Oscars and the uh, Chris Rock did not want to press charges for assault that was assault uh, so, um, here's what happened. Um, um, on Friday afternoon, this is from, when is this from? This is April 1st. This is April, this is the week of April 1st, April Fool's Day, and this is not an April Fool's joke. Um, so, on Friday afternoon, Will Smith announced in a statement he was resigning from the Academy after he slapped Chris Rock during his last Sunday's Oscar telecast. The Academy plans to forge, forge ahead and conduct a formal investigation and dis disciplinary process on April 18th, at which the time the organization can impose further sanctions or punishment in accordance with its bylaws. In the meantime, here's what Smith's res res resignation means for the actor's Oscar future. Yes, he, he still gets to keep his best after Oscar for Kane Richard. Although I, I would I would be very okay with the Oscars taking it away from him, but that's not here or there. Yes, he can still get invited into future Oscar Academy ceremonies, which we'll get to that in a second. 
Yes, he can still be nominated for future consideration. No, he is no longer a voting member of the Academy. Smith's resignation came into response to a disciplinary hearing notice from the Academy. Smith admitted he fully accepted all consequences for his conduct and said in his statement, my actions at the 94th Academy Awards presentation were shocking, painful, and inexcusable. The list of those I have heard is long and includes Chris, his family, and many of my dear friends and loved ones, all those in attendance and global audiences at home. He also acknowledged that his actions took away from other nominees and winners that night. I am heartbroken. I want to put the focus back on those who deserve attention for their achievements and allow the Academy to get back to the incredible work it does to support creativity and artistry in film. Meanwhile, SAG-AFTRA released a statement after the Oscars incident saying Smith could also place disciplinary actions from his guild. We have been in contact with the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences, and ABC about this incident and will work to ensure this behavior is appropriately addressed. SAG-AFTRA does not comment on any pending member disciplinary processes, the statement said. Earlier in the week, Academy President David Rubin and CEO Don Hudson had met with Smith, who faced suspension, expulsion, and other actions to discuss the events of the night. The Academy's earlier statements in response to Smith's actions said, The Academy condemned the actions of Mr. Smith at last night's show, the organization said in a statement. We have officially started a formal review around the incident and will explore further actions and consequences in accordance to our bylaws, standards of conduct, and California law. Following Sunday night's events, Smith issued up an apology in a statement on Monday morning. I was online and I was wrong, the actor said. I am embarrassed by my actions that were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. Yeah. Sure, Will. Sure. <laughs> so, so we, 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 we know that's what happened. Um, with uh, with with Will Smith uh, resigning, uh, that came um, that that came on April Fool's Day, um, five days after the incident happened. Um, but then um, later that um, the next week, um, Will Smith, I think maybe even a week later, maybe on April Friday, April eighth. Will Smith was actually banned from attending the Oscars for 10 years. So, um, let's read something from for that about that. Okay, from CNN.com. Uh, Actor Will Smith banned from attending Oscars for 10 years. Will Smith will not be allowed to attend the Academy Awards for the next 10 years as a result of the slapping comedian Chris Rock on stage during this year's Oscar ceremony. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced in a statement obtained by CNN, the board has unit. The board has decided for a period of 10 years from April 8th, 2022, Mr. Smith should not be shall not be permitted to attend any academy events or programs in person or virtually including but not limited to the academy awards academy president david rubin and ceo don hudson stand in a statement friday the decision was made during a board of governors meeting held earlier in the day in los angeles the meeting initially initially scheduled for april 18th 
was expedited after Smith announced his resignation from the Academy last week. Smith issued a quick, concise statement on his ban from the Oscars for the next decade. I accept and respect the Academy's decision, the, uh, the actor said in a statement to CNN. CNN has reached out to Rock's representation for comment. The decision came following tons of debate on the consequences of his unstaged slap should be aborted until CNN. The Academy's letter added, the 94th Oscars were meant to be a celebration of the many individuals in our community who did incredible work this past year. However, those moments were overshadowed by the unacceptable and harmful behavior we saw Mr. Smith exhibit on stage. During our telecast, we did not adequately address the situation in the room. The letter went on to state, for this we are sorry. This was an opportunity for us to set an example for our guests, viewers, and Academy family around the world, and we fell short. Unprepared for the unprecedented. The Board of Governors said in the previous statement that they wanted the matter to be handled in a timely fashion. Smith's resignation means that he's no longer part of the Academy voting body, but it does not prevent the Oscar winner from being nominated in the future, a source for the knowledge previously told CNN. Smith can also still be nominated despite being barred from attending the Oscars because the standards of conduct rules at play and today's actions do not apply to the awards eligibility a source close to the Academy with direct knowledge of the rules told CNN on Friday. Typically, the previous year's Best Actor winner presents the current year's Best Actress Award and the reigning Best Actress presents the Best Actor Trophy. With Smith's band, the Oscars will have to break that tradition. Um, so, yeah, um, it, 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 uh, it is, a, it is a big thing. They, the, the Academy did take it wrong. Um, the Academy was, was, it was, the, the show was being directed or produced by, um, Will Packer. And apparently there was some stuff that, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, Will Packer, he was produced by Will Packer. But apparently, um, uh, uh, you know, Will Packer did not, you know, want to have Will Smith be removed from the from the show, and he should have won. He should have been, he should have been removed from the the, the thing. He should not have been able to have, you know, Jonathan Terrence had a speech where where he gets a standing ovation. They did the, they gave him a standing ovation for. For that, and a lot of it was just—it was so wrong in so many ways. And you know what Real Smith did was wrong. I'm not gonna say what Chris Rock did was wrong. I'm just not. He's a comedian. He's—he's he's meant to tell jokes, meant to make fun of people. It's not—it's not supposed to be, you know, harmful. And again, he didn't know that Jada had alopecia. And even, and even if she did, still get his fucking sense of humor. And everything that happened, you know, he should. Uh, I, I'm again, again, I say, you know, Chris Rock's better than a lot of people because I know a lot of people would not have physically taken that, would not have verbally taken that. They would have said something back back to him. Something like, and 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 Will Smith's a punk because you know he 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 he's bigger than Chris Rock. Let that let that would have been someone else saying that. You know, and there's a lot of jokes that if it was The Rock and not Chris Rock, he would not have got up there. And if he did get up there and smacked The Rock, he would have got his ass whooped. 
point blank period in discussion. There's been no doubt about that. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I you know, it, this has been, go, you know, it's been going on now for, you know, three weeks. Now we're on week three of, you know, you know, Slapgate. Uh, this being Monday, April 18th. But let's, but I, I, I wanted to uh, have the last word on this, and hopefully we can move on from this. Um, just, you know, just by saying, you know, violence is not the answer. You know, you suppose it's supposed to be something where, you know, violence is only used in a last resort type of deal when someone is not, you know, when someone is just, you know, when you have no other choice, you know, something like that, you're not, you know, and then, but this was not that. Chris Rock was using his words. It's a fucking joke. Get over it, everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of think the punishment, while, okay, he's banned from going for the Oscars for 10 years, he, he cannot do a movie, you know, that's that that's that great for the next ten years, and then he does then 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 comes back in twenty in twenty thirty three, right? Twenty twenty thirty three because it's twenty twenty two, so it'd be twenty it'd be twenty thirty two when he when, when I guess when he could you know when the uh, the, the thing would be over, and then the next year Oscars at twenty thirty three, you know he could be nominated again. He he needed he needed more of a punishment. Whether it be from the Oscars or whether it be from the law, he really did. Don't put your hands on people. Uh, just it just it's it sickens me. And don't get me get me started with the defending his wife shit. Fuck that. Fuck that. Of the word according to me. Again, want to remind you guys Wednesday coming out the game on the game according to me. Talk about the sports podcast. So we're gonna talk about some sports. Uh, what's going down down in there? All right, a little sports in this episode with Jackie Robinson and everything. But we're gonna talk in particular more sports, all sports on that podcast. Make sure you check that out Wednesday. Wherever wherever you wherever you are listening to this podcast. I'm pretty sure that podcast is there, so search the game according to me. Um, look for it up, uh, you know, and, and not just go to the usual ones, the ones that you usually go to, Spotify, iHeartMedia, all of those things. Um, my podcast is on there as well. So, Or you can go to the, the home site, anchor.fm, and search the game according to me on the Triple Show. It should come up. So yeah, that's gonna be it for this one. We'll be back next month in May with a new uh, with some with a new topic. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure. We'll figure it out. Maybe I don't know. I'll find something to talk about. Like I found something to talk about this month. So uh, make sure you just um, help a brother out by um, rating this podcast and liking it and subscribing to it and. Everything like that, sharing it um, all over your social media. Um, do that. Um, if you want to financially support me, you can easily go to patreon.com/slash80trip and become a patron. Once I hit a certain amount of patrons, 
you will be able to determine what you hear on this podcast, what 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 videos I do on YouTube, or what other things we can do on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash a twenty. You can't be playing games right now because the internet down here in North Carolina fucking sucks. All right. <laughs> That's going to be it for me this episode. Again, check me out Wednesday on The Game According to Me and next month on The Word According to Me. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is your boy, AJ Tripp, signing off. As always, be good to each other, y'all. Be careful out there. And I am out. Best friends and Broadway superfans Jeff and Judy wait at the stage door every night to catch a glimpse of their idol Adina Menzel in the hilarious new comedy, Which Way to the Stage. But when a sexy stranger enters the scene and upends their friendship, Jeff and Judy have to go off book to rewrite their own finale. Called the best new comedy since theaters reopened by The Wrap and zippy fun by The New York Times, grab your best friend and see Which Way to the Stage at Signature Theater now through January 22nd. Get tickets at SigTheater.org.